Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. A recent court case really caught our attention. It involved a now former nurse named Redonda Vaught, who was convicted of gross neglect of an impaired adult and negligent homicide after making a drug error that led to the death of a patient. It is really rare to have a nurse criminally charged, let alone convicted, for making an error like this. So we wanted to learn more. Also talk about the effect this conviction could have on the nursing profession going forward. Our guest is Terry Hinckley, CEO of the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses, a national nursing association that is headquartered in Gloucester County, New Jersey. So before we dig into the ripple effects of this case, can you give me kind of a quick thumbnail of the situation involving Redonda Vaught? If I'm correct, this dates back to an incident from 2017 in Tennessee. Yes, that's correct, Matt. In 2017, Redonda Vaught was a nurse in an intensive care unit. She was asked to go down to the diagnostic imaging department to administer a sedative to a patient who was not hers. Just go down, administer the medication, and come back. The patient was down there getting a PET scan, a certain kind of scan, and was feeling a bit, I think, anxious and claustrophobic, so they wanted to administer a sedative. And she was a a sort of float nurse within the unit, if you will. She was helping out and was sent down to administer the medication to the patient. So she went down to the diagnostic imaging department and collected the medication from the medication system. She was orienting and training a new nurse at the time. So she was admittedly, she admitted distracted and talking with this other nurse while she was pulling the medication. And she pulled the wrong medication from the cabinet and ended up administering what's a a paralyzing agent to the patient. Basically, a paralyzing agent is what anesthesiologists typically use to put someone under for surgery or to insert a breathing tube if you're having a lot of difficulty. And it resulted in the patient's um, death, unfortunately. And she thought she was administering a drug called Versed, which is a sedative, and ended up administering this paralyzing agent instead. She didn't catch the error. She went back up to the regular intensive care unit where she was working, and the patient was discovered without vital signs at a point thereafter, and they called a code to resuscitate the patient. The patient was was resuscitated, but unsuccessfully in the long run and ended up passing away. So this happens. How do we get from there to criminal charges? You know, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know how we get there. I don't know how we get to criminal charges. I know that in this case, and I only, I did read the actual investigation from the center's Medicare services on their actual investigation, but the hospital terminated the nurse. She was referred to the Board of Nursing. The Board of Nursing apparently did their investigation and didn't take any action against the nurse. But a complaint was made to CMS 
uh, a couple of years later, I believe, saying that this had happened and had never been reported. And when they went in to investigate, it sort of opened everything up again. The case was re-referred to the Board of Nursing. The nurse lost her nursing license. Then it was decided that she would face criminal charges in the death of the patient. That's very atypical, certainly outside the norm. Typically, boards of nursing at the state level make all decisions on fitness to practice. And if there are errors made, uh, they're the ones with the expertise to be able to actually evaluate and make determinations on whether or not additional sanctions have to be taken or what corrective action might need to be put in place. It's very rare for it to actually proceed to criminal charges. And I think even more rare that it actually resulted in a conviction in this case. Unfortunately, errors like this, I'm sure, happen. But is there anything, any red flag you can see that why this would be different and kind of treated in this this extremely harsh manner? Not that we could find at all. The nurse admitted the mistake. She didn't realize that it did at the time, which is very common. And when the medication was, she had brought the empty vial back up to the intensive care unit and had given it to the patient's nurse and said, here's the medication I administered, right? And then went up about her work. And when they found out that the patient had passed away, they looked at the medication and they went to her and said, is this the medication that you administered? And she freely admitted that it was. And they realized at that time that it was the wrong medication. She was very forthcoming. She told them everything that happened. She reported everything. She didn't try and hide any of it. She was, you know, um, took responsibility for her actions. Like there was nothing that, in our opinion, really rose to the level of criminal charges in in this instance. And you mentioned she lost her license in a quote-unquote normal situation like this, there are procedures in place and there are punishments. Can you kind of explain what we would see under normal circumstances? Yeah, absolutely. So you're exactly right, Matt. Normally, what would happen is the employer would take action. That's usually the first place that you're going to see action taken. And and Redonda did lose her job that day. She was terminated. The Board of Nursing within any given state in the United States governs nursing practice. They give you your license to practice, and they can take away your license to practice. They have that authority through the state legislative process. They uphold the state standards of conduct for nurses. They manage the ongoing licensure of nurses. Most nursing boards require that you renew your license every two years. Several states have requirements for additional education and things like that to be able to maintain your license. And if a complaint is made or you're reported to the Board of Nursing, either by a member of the public or an employer or a colleague or a whistleblower, whatever that looks like, they'll do the investigation. And that investigation is done by peers, so other nurses that know what practice should have been um, completed or what that should have looked like, uh, as well as, obviously, their legal and other experts. And they may have sanctions put on their license. So, for example, you might have to do additional education in medication administration. You You might need supervision at work for a period of time or... 
if it was felt to be egregious enough, you will lose your ability to practice as a nurse. They will take your license away and you'll never be able to practice in that state again. That's typically what happens if an error is made and someone's investigated by the Board of Nursing. We're a self-regulated profession, meaning we have the responsibility for managing our own performance and that's overseen by a Board of Nursing. It has been a difficult period for nurses the last couple of years, you've got a pandemic, and then on top of pandemic, you've got conspiracy theories that there's a way too large segment of the population that thinks nurses are in on a hoax that was COVID-19. Now you throw in, I would imagine, this verdict, her being convicted of criminal offenses, and looks like she's going, well, sentencing is until later this month, but is going to go to jail. This sends quite a chilling effect, I would imagine, through nursing ranks across the country now. Oh, 100%. The uh, reaction of the nursing community, while no one dismisses the severity of the error that she made, I think single nurse will say, absolutely, she made an error. We have very, very clear procedures, steps that we follow when administering a medication, and she clearly didn't do that. It's an extraordinary response to a medication error. Medical errors, unfortunately, you touched on this briefly, Matt, they happen with alarming frequency. Medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the United States. It's estimated between 250,000 and 400,000 people die each year as the result of medication errors, or medical errors. I'm sorry, it's not just medication, but medical errors. And that's not even, those are just the deaths that doesn't even factor in those that are harmed by perhaps having surgery on the wrong limb or getting the wrong medication but not passing away. So medical errors are are a big problem within the healthcare system. But on top of, you know, to your original point, on top of everything else that nurses have had to deal with for the last couple of years, I think that nurses just are terrified, to be quite honest. I think that there is very little, uh, you know, that keeps them nursing when you have all of the, the staffing challenges, all of the, I mean, my gosh, the nurses couldn't even get proper personal protective equipment at the beginning of the pandemic. They've seen more death and horrible things in the last two years than most of them have ever seen in their career. And it's taking a toll. I, they, they are burnt out. They are distressed. And then this just, you know, sort of on top of that has made it really, a lot of nurses are questioning whether or not they're going to be able to continue working in a profession that they love. For most, for most of us, we nurse because we love caring for patients and, and we feel very, very strongly about the role that we serve in health and wellness. And the the risk to an individual nurse when they work in a system with as many issues as the healthcare system have, if they're going to be held ultimately criminally responsible for errors, I think that that sends a chilling message to them coming out of the pandemic, but at any time. Specifically with the medication, there's obviously training you around it every day, so it's not, you know, as overwhelming as it is to a layman. But just I have blood pressure medicine that I've been taking for years. The pharmacist asked me what it is, and I can't pronounce it. And I know it's 
you know, I'm not trying to make light of it, but you're talking a lot of these have these extraordinarily long names that a lot of them probably sound the same. I, I just couldn't imagine being held to the standard that if you make a mistake on something like this, that you could end up in jail. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, you raise such a good point because most certainly it is our job and the accountability rests with us. But I think that it would, I think it's interesting that. If a doctor, for example, orders the wrong medication, the nurse is expected to follow the doctor's orders. That's, you know, the the doctor dictates the care that's provided to patients. That's how it works. And if they order the wrong medication, but if the nurse doesn't recognize that it's the wrong medication and administers it, it's the nurse's error, not the physician's, because the nurse is ultimately the person that administered the medication and should have known better. So we put a lot of pressure on the nurses. I'm not saying that's not warranted. I'm just saying that in a system where there's a lot of potential for errors to happen, there's an awful lot of stakes that rest on the nurse's shoulder to make sure that they're, you know, providing safe, competent care. And we certainly expect that of them. And we have systems and processes if that doesn't take place. But part of the reason why AMSN is, um, you know, so alarmed at the conviction of this nurse is that we feel that we're going to actually take steps backwards instead of becoming, we have a, a terminology that we use, it's called just culture. And basically what we're trying to do is encourage the health care system to become high reliability in much the same way that airlines are, rail travel is, um, nuclear engineering is. So really, you try and prepare for every possible error that could occur as a means to prevent those errors from occurring. And if we criminalize errors that occur, all we're doing is we're encouraging non-reporting, to be honest. If I have the the additional risk, not only of potentially losing my job and losing my license, which are certainly difficult, but more palatable than going to jail. I just think that we're really going to see a step backwards in terms of the open reporting of errors and near misses, which is what we call when an error didn't occur, but almost did or could have, but we caught it in time. And reporting near misses and errors are critical to the healthcare system if we are ever going to reduce and eliminate errors. Before I talk about, you know, the concern about nurses leaving, kind of expound a little more, dig a little deeper on this idea. If nurses, you know, stop self-reporting and because of fear of where being truthful could lead, what are kind of the ripple effects of that within the industry? Yeah, exactly right. I think that for for us, our primary concern is that people will stop reporting. And if they don't report, we're never going to be able to fix or identify the potential pitfalls. So there's something that's called a Swiss cheese model of error causation. And it was developed by an absolutely brilliant psychologist named James Reason. He was at the University of Manchester in England. And he said, it's almost like if you stack up a bunch of pieces of Swiss cheese, they all have holes in them. But when you line them up, you might not have a clear line of sight through one hole. But if they line up just right, you could. And the whole point being, there's several things that break down before you actually get to the point where an errors made in patient harm occurs. And there are 
instances where those holes are going to line up perfectly and something's going to result in patient harm. And if you don't understand each piece of cheese or step in that process and come up with solutions to minimize or correct those, you're never going to be able to eliminate errors, which is what our concern is with criminalizing mistakes no one's going to report, and you're just not going to ever know how many pieces of cheese had issues until it's too late. And to fix errors or prevent errors, you have to be able to envision and understand at every single step of the process what could contribute to those. You made a point earlier, Matt. I did my dissertation actually on something called second victim syndrome in nursing, which is kind of a polarizing term that I don't love. But really, it's the profound emotional, psychological, and sometimes physical distress that nurses experience after they make an error. Because again, I mentioned our our entire careers are spent caring for people when they're sick, getting them better, getting them back home, restoring health, certainly not causing harm. And it's devastating to nurses and other healthcare practitioners when they do make errors. But as part of that... The recognition that it's not just on the individual at the point in time that the error occurred. There was one case that um, I literally brought me to tears, and it was a nurse that was in Wisconsin, and she administered the wrong medication to her patient in the labor and delivery unit. Her patient was 16 years old and in labor with her first child, and the patient died. And it it was uncovered that one of the factors that contributed to her hanging the wrong medication was she had worked a 12-hour shift. She had had a short turnaround, only five or six hours off, and she was back for another shift. It was the July 4th weekend. They were short-staffed. The nurse was working more than she should have been, and she was exhausted, and she just she literally didn't read what she was reading on the medication when she hung the IV. So if we don't recognize the contributing factors like things like staffing, like the the way orders are made and entered, like our medication administration systems, like the fact that we're sending a nurse off the unit to go and see a patient that she doesn't know and administer a medication from an area that she's not familiar with while orienting a new nurse and trying to answer their questions at the same time. It's a recipe for disaster. So we talked about the stress that nurses have been under the last two years. And now I imagine a lot of nurses looking in the mirror after this and going, is this worth it? Do I want to do it? Is it still a passion for me? You know, what are your concerns? You mentioned staffing could be playing a role in mistakes like this. Hard to see how it gets any better going forward, because I would imagine there are a lot of good faith people that are just like, you know what? Maybe they're a couple years from retirement and they, you know, look, you know what? We won't go on vacation in the next few years. I'll just call it a, a career now. Or younger people that are just getting started that are like, it's more problems than I feel I can help and I'm going to go into a different field or, you know, something else. I, I, I don't think people appreciate what we could see here. Right. No, exactly. I think, Matt, you, you hit the nail on the head. If I could go to jail for making a mistake on my job, how likely am I going to want to be part of that profession? I think it certainly is going to cause people to second 
guess whether or not that's a profession they want to be in. I certainly have heard several nurses say, I just, I can't bear the thought of this. I'm just, I'm just going to leave and I'm going to go and do something else. Or I can't take the risk of having the potential of going to jail for making a mistake I'm going to go and do something else. You see nurses or potential nurses in school now being terrified. What's going to happen when they go into practice? But you're also going to see even out nursing numbers. I think you're going to see almost a paralysis, right, in, in nurses that are practicing that are going to second guess everything that they do at work now because we've upped the stakes, as it were. And I certainly don't mean to diminish someone losing their job or losing their nursing license, because those, I think, are significant actions as well. But it's a little different when you're talking about going to jail. I guess the argument could be, for going this far, well, it's about accountability and these are lives at stake. And But it would seem to me that kind of the three, four steps down the road of this road is more people leave, thinner staffs, which are going to lead to more problems, which is going to lead to more deaths because for the simple fact that you're not going to have enough people to take care of people like they need it, you know, kind of game this out for me. What could we be looking at, you know, and it's not going to be something where, you know, one day we wake up and nursing is down 40%, but it'll be this slow drip where hospitals aren't going to have enough nurses to fill shifts and, and maybe even worse, we lower standards to try to get more people in the door. Yeah, 100%. We've already seen an exodus from within the nursing profession. Part of that exodus, there have been nurses that have left practicing within hospitals or health systems to take travel contracts because they can uh, have increased flexibility. They can, you know, perhaps travel at the same time as doing their nursing. And there's great demand for nursing right now. So, you know, sort of supply and demand dictates that the travel assignments are quite attractive. So we've seen nurses depart full-time employment to take these travel opportunities. But we've also seen nurses that literally from the burnout and the distress that they've experienced through the pandemic have just said, I can't do this anymore. I can go and sell shoes. I can, they are literally walking away from um, a profession that they've been in, in some cases, their entire career. You mentioned, again, nurses retiring early. There's been a number of nurses that are just like, I don't think I, I can even last five more years. I'm out. I'm going to retire early. We saw an initial bump in applications to nursing school with the pandemic, but we also uh, still struggle academically to be able to support the number of nursing students that are voicing interest. So I don't know that our enrollment has matched the interest that we initially saw, but I anticipate as this continues, you could see enrollment rates decrease. We've lost in about the last year, I'd say we've lost about, I think the, the most recent data I saw was 1.5, 1 to 1.5% of the practicing nurses we've lost through the last year. And a lot of them were just starting out that were like, I, I can't do this. This is this is not what I anticipated or expected, especially as it relates to COVID. So I think you could see a crisis, to be quite frank. And I, I'm uh, not overstating that I think certainly see a nursing crisis in terms of staffing levels, which are only going to further compound the problem within hospitals and healthcare systems if we don't have sufficient numbers of nurses to care for the patients. One of the things I found odd about this case is that it did not get 
a lot of coverage in national media. I find that very surprising because it seems to be the type of case that is almost tailor-made for our cable news environment, not to mention kind of the stakes and the ripple effects that we talked about. Are you kind of surprised that there wasn't more light shown on this case on a national level? I am. And I I struggled to try and think, was there something else that was happening in the news at the time? And because, you know, the 24-hour news cycle certainly can be exhausting and can be overwhelming uh, just by the volume and, and need for almost continuous news. But I, I don't know, Matt, to be frank, I don't know why this didn't get the attention that uh, certainly AMSN feels that it deserves, because we think that this has to be a national discussion. And we think that the public has to actually understand the issue and has to, quite frankly, advocate for safer healthcare facilities and for the patient's to have the right to demand that healthcare be provided in a safe and effective manner when they go into the hospital. And I, I have no answer as to why it didn't get more press. I certainly feel it was deserving of it. I think all of nursing feels it's deserving of a national discussion. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.